The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business? Home? Social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made. And by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. The road to maintaining and preserving your youth and vitality can take many different forms. These include stress management, a healthy diet, hydration, regular sleep, exercise, and use of advanced skincare products. Acupuncture, massage, lasers, and microdermabrasion are some of the approaches that can help to reduce inflammation, improve circulation, and boost collagen production. You may have tried all or some of these approaches and yet are still deciding how to best address those challenging forehead and under eye wrinkles. Regardless of where you are in the aging process, today's episode will offer a look into non-invasive techniques that can help you to reverse the clock and prevent or slow down some of the signs of aging. Our returning guest is Dr. Alan Beanstock, a board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon who founded Cosmetics on Call, a house call program for non-invasive cosmetic procedures. We'll talk about what types of techniques offer alternatives to plastic surgery for facial rejuvenation and how you can get the best results possible. Dr. B, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you here again. Hemda, thank you for inviting me back to the show. I'm excited to be here with you. So let's start with an introduction to non-invasive techniques. Give me the 101 for those who are new to cosmetic procedures and also for the more experienced folks who want to get even better results. Sure, I'd be happy to. I think the easiest thing is to walk you through a consultation I do with my patients who are exploring non-invasive strategies to rejuvenate and refresh themselves. So obviously I will have them to fill out forms as far as like a physical history and physical I want to get to the kind of the root of their their, uh, their interest regarding their face. I go through the past medical history to find out what, as well as what medications they're on. And this can be important because certain medications can obviously accelerate the aging process or have interaction with some of the things I'm going to be doing. In addition, there are certain medical conditions uh, that can impede uh, rejuvenation uh, and can uh, decelerate uh, anti, anti-aging or aging itself. And there are plenty of conditions such as autoimmune processes, things that we need to find out about whether these patients have. Mm-hmm. In addition, I find out if they had previous surgeries, particularly in the cosmetic or cosmetic arena, because uh, obviously with cosmetic patients, you're always concerned about them having what we call body dysmorphic disorder, which we had discussed before, or having kind of being, I hate to use the term, the addiction to, to plastic surgery, either both invasive or non-invasive techniques, mm-hmm. uh, understanding their allergies and so forth. And then I really kind of jump into the physical down, really go over look at their face, look at the facial harmony. And many times patients will come in complaining about one thing. They'll focus on 
the lines uh, below the nose, we call those nasolabial folds. And they think that's what's causing them to look older. And oftentimes that's not the issue. They have other things that are disharmonious with their, with their facial features. It may be their chin. It's not uncommon that their chin may be small or they have, they actually have hollowed out what we call mid-face or under the eye area. Um, in addition, we look at, have them do uh, full facial dynamics, meaning have them animate their face, see what areas concerns them. A lot of women and men are concerned by, we call them the 11s in between the eyebrows, as well as the lines on the foreheads. Uh, so I try to really go over with them in, in great detail what their concerns are physically. And then I go over the options with them. So you mentioned review of medical history, that in some situations people have medical conditions, they may be taking certain medications that actually could encourage aging and also maybe allergic. So what are the, the implications that these findings have on the non-invasive techniques? Are there situations where you actually decide that it wouldn't be um, suggested for you to perform a non-invasive technique? Rarely does that impede me from doing a non-invasive technique, but it puts into picture where they are as far as their facial, their facial anatomy and their facial beauty. Patients who are on steroids tend to have less collagen production um, and other problems. And this would even this would impede surgery, but even in, in, in from the beauty standpoint, it can uh, it can cause aging as well as determine their collagen production, their their, their skin thickness. Uh, so that's important to know their underlying medical uh, medical conditions. Uh, most people are not allergic to the, the injectables that we use, whether it be Botox, Xeomin, or Juvederm. But these are things we need to know about. Very rarely do they have interactions, but it's also important to know if they actually had previous injections or pre- previous fillers to see if they had an adverse reaction or what their concerns were. Because if uh, if patient has had an issue with Botox originally, you may want to try another agent that can paralyze the muscles on the face. Mm-hmm. So essentially, this is really to get a deep view into the individual and also help them to understand what are the factors that are contributing to their visible aging process. Exactly. So number one is to really address their concerns regarding their, fa- their face. Number two is to really assess their physical proportions, their harmony, their beauty. And then three is to go over what's a reasonable plan. So all of these together can really factor into what we're going to determine is the best course regarding non-invasive strategies. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that in some situations, people may have a sense that they need to work on one thing, that there's one element on their face, like their nose, that could be taking away really from their beauty and, and you're finding you're, you're helping to educate them that sometimes that's not the case. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of times it's also very hard for patients to see themselves in a mirror. That's actually different than what the world perceives in their actual three-dimensional structure. So it's not uncommon why I will take a picture of them from different angles and show them what, what, what I see and what there is. And they can oftentimes will see that much more readily rather than looking at themselves in a mirror, which is really much more two-dimensional. It's evidently very difficult to, to show the three-dimensionality of the face with, with pictures because the t- picture is two-dimensional, but at least showing different angles and taking a photograph of them uh, helps them see uh, what we're talking about, what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about non-invasive techniques, would you shed a little bit more light on what those are exactly? Sure. I was going to get into that. So when we, we get to the issue of uh, what their concerns are, whether they be hollowed out appearances, their grooves, their scars, or we call dynamic lines, meaning lines that appear or, or wrinkles that appear on, on a dynamic motion. Meaning when you raise your eye, when you raise your eyebrows up, you're stimulating a, a muscle, or triggering a muscle called the frontalis muscle that creates the horizontal furrows on your forehead. When you're kind of scrunching down, you're angry. You get those eleven lines in your in your brow. So 
I try to address those concerns with the patients and figure out what the best strategy uh, would be for them. Um, when we go over dynamic lines, meaning the lines that are due to motion, those generally are best treated by a paralytic agent, what we call either Botox or Zeman. Those are part of the botulinum toxin. And I'll go into a little further detail when I, I will, I'll go over a view of kind of the nuances of each agent. And then uh, there's other things called fillers, which can be made of different uh, materials, which are used to uh, ostensibly fill in areas that are either hollowed out or have lost that kind of vitality uh, in regards to collagen production as well as volume and fat. So those are kind of two different approaches that I generally will use and we'll, we'll go over today. Mm-hmm. So one of the approaches, the second one you mentioned is fillers, essentially literally fills in. It creates a little bit more of that plump, youthful look. Exactly. The point is is to is to create a more kind of rejuvenated, fresher, plump, fuller, fuller look. And oftentimes I have patients who are, I call newbies, meaning they haven't had any invasive techniques done, non-invasive or invasive techniques done. And they confuse the difference between the paralytic agents such as Botox and Zeman with the fillers. And I try to ed- really, really educate them because a lot of patients will say, oh, my friend had Botox. I think I need Botox. They don't need Botox. They actually need a filler because they're, they're focusing on the hollow look under their eyes. Well, Botox, uh, you don't want to paralyze the muscle under the eye that helps close, close or open your eye. You want to fill that area in. So that, those, are, those are things I'll spend a fair amount of time on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just reflecting on the paralytic agent essentially is the second category. Right. And is that really for prevention of future wrinkles, or does it actually help to diminish existing, and you mentioned the ones in the forehead area and in the brow area as well? Yeah, so the concept behind the botulinum toxins or the paralytic agents is that, one, it will, it will alleviate and assuage the, 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 the dynamic lines that are occur, uh, occurring currently. There's also the theory that by doing that on a regular basis, every four to six months, you, it'll be preventative, meaning that you will minim- that those muscles will start to atrophy and you'll get you will have an enhancement of that area. They'll be smoother, uh, fresher, and rejuvenated, and will hopefully eschew and obviate the need for surgery down the road. So both has an element of prevention as well as treating those lines acutely. So patients generally like to do that. Now, the one thing I do stress with patients is when they're getting these agents, if you get it once and then you don't do it for two years, you've kind of lost that effect. You kind of want to have a maintenance regime, which in a sense is good for plastic surgeons and cosmetic surgeons because we get them to see them on a regular basis uh, Number one, number two is is it, it, it's a it, it's a good way of t- treating people in a non-invasive fashion. So once we've gone over the different agents with these patients that are that are good for them, we, we decide together what's the best thing for them. Now, even though non-invasive procedures don't have scars, quote unquote, like when we do surgery, there are risks of doing these procedures. And these are things I really like to educate the patients because patients sometimes come in they think they're getting their nails their nails cut. There is still is still getting an agent, a chemical, or a drug which can make, make things uh, difficult to explain to them. So I have to reveal, reveal to them that there are risks just like, any non, just like any invasive or non-invasive procedure. So we go over kind of the basic risks, which are getting asymmetries under overcorrection, droop your eyelid or droop your eyebrow, uh, overfilling, underfilling, overcorrection, undercorrection. There's a very, very small chance of, of uh, getting blindness to the eye, which is very drastic. It's been written about in the literature. Uh, this is caused by certain techniques, which I can go into in further detail of how how many of us plastic prevent those. And so I just want them to be educated that it's not something, it's relatively simple and with very minimal uh, downtime and risk and side effects, but there are risks that I try to make them aware of. Mm-hmm. And related to those risks, if something does occur, um, if there's a droopiness or some, right. some other issue that emerges, what's the 
likelihood that you can actually correct it. So most of the time, most I would say probably 99% of the time, you can either one time will fix these, meaning that these agents, since they're not permanent, they will wear off. So that's a, that's a positive. Unlike surgery, sometimes you leave a patient with an unsightly scar, you're, you're, we're kind of left with that, whether it's bad healing or other factors. The good thing is about the paralytic agent like Botox and Xeomin and Dysport is it wears off after three to four months and will be completely gone usually after six months. Now, if they have a droopy eyelid, which is injecting a certain muscle, there are certain eye drops that we can prescribe. Oftentimes, we don't have to do that. Usually, it will kind of soften up over time. With the fillers, what's nice, uh, if you use certain fillers that have hyaluronic acid, that's a natural component that's in skin. There's an enzyme that we have that we carry in the office that many dermatologists plus surgeons use, which can actually dissolve that. The only problem you arise, uh, arises is if you inject material into a blood vessel or it compromises the blood flow to a certain area and can cause what we call skin death or skin necrosis. Um, but we can go into f- further detail down the road uh, when we go into the fillers, mm-hmm. how to prevent those. And what are some common questions that people ask during that initial consultation? So mostly when I have my younger patients that come in, they, sometimes they think they're coming in too early. Now, I won't treat a 16 or 17-year-old or even an 18 or 19-year-old. However, I don't think there should be an age limit on that. Um, usually I start seeing patients in their, in their early 30s, and I tell them this is actually a very good preventative way of dealing with things. It also gives me the opportunity to go over beauty regimens with them as far as minimizing alcohol consumption, really get them off any smoking that they may, they may be doing. Uh, I mean, I have a group of three or four Australian uh, women who are in their 30s who are, you know, very vital workout, but they drink a lot and they know that. I've Not to stereotype Australians, they tend to have a very festive, mm-hmm. jovial mentality and they drink in excess on Friday and Saturday night. So I tried to make them realize that they're dehydrating themselves and that there are uh, anti uh, that there are free radicals with alcohol, just like with, with cigarettes, which most people don't realize that can accelerate the aging process. So I've really tried, I've really been successful in getting them to minimize that, really focus on their health, go over certain foods that they should be eating. So I really, I, I actually enjoy when patients come in sooner rather than later because we can kind of work on lifestyle in addition to doing the non-invasive techniques, mm-hmm. and that's where I've seen the most benefit. Right, and that essentially is also helping individuals to get the best result possible. Exactly. So you talked about essentially when to start, which is the big question. You see a lot of younger people, as you mentioned, coming in for prevention. And what about how quickly the agents that you use actually work and when you need to come back for maintenance? Right. That's one of the most important questions. So that's one of the biggest difference between the paralytic agents and the fillers. Uh, So Botox and Xeomin and Dysport, which are the botulinum toxins, they take two to three days, and if not a full week to fully kick in. So patients will say, how come I don't say anything? I tell them in advance that these type of agents take at least three days to start kicking in, usually get to maximum effect of a week. I have one patient who's a very nice uh, gentleman. He's 47. He always, he's been doing uh, uh, Botox and Xeomin or Xeomin with me for the past 10 years. And he calls me every single time, how come it hasn't kicked in? And I've told mm-hmm. him, you have to wait a full week. And he's always saying, at, at day five, I always know I get a phone call on day, day five at 5 p.m., Doc, it still hasn't worked yet. I'm like, I'm like Timothy. Let's wait till day seven. And sure enough, you know, usually I get a call day eight or day nine. You're right. We should have waited. This is usually our usual routine, even though he's been coming to me for ten years. Mm-hmm. So it could take about a week to kick in. Usually a week. I usually don't do revisions or touch ups for at least two weeks because I like to really see it kick in to smooth over. Um, I tend to be on the conservative side, meaning I tend to under inject rather than over inject. It's much easier to fill, fix something that's underdone than overdone. But I try to get the right the right harmony, but it's always just like any medication, just like any food or anything that you put into your body. It's it's difficult to titrate or figure out that exact, that, that perfect number. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the fillers are different. The fillers, you see the effects immediately because you're filling in an error using an agent, whether it be uh, radius, juvederm, or wrestling, rejecting in a certain area, you see it immediately. However, you do start to see swelling, sometimes swelling and bruising immediately or two, one or two days out, which can take a week to resolve. So I tell patients, if they like the results on the table, that's most likely what they'll see about a week later, but there will be some sell- swelling that will resolve over the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for fillers, you might see some immediate effects, yes. although you might be dealing with some swelling. Exactly. Okay. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, we'll hear more about maintenance requirements for both of these types of non-invasive procedures. Stay with us. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with plastic and reconstructive surgeon Alan Beanstock. We talked about the types of cosmetic techniques that are considered to be non-invasive, 
And we started to talk about what these types of procedures accomplish and some commonly asked questions from patients. So Dr. B, we left off with maintenance. Would you just share a little bit about how long these techniques last? So generally with the, the paralytic agents or the botulinum toxins, uh, such as botoxazemin, they last anywhere from about three to six months. Usually when you start out, they last really a good six months, but like any medication you're taking, we get something called tachyphylaxis. I mean, your body gets used to it, so you have to you you, you lose that longevity. Sometimes it lasts only three to four months. With the fillers, uh, each filler is different. Generally, they last at least about six months. Some last even up to about a year. Uh, some something like Juvederm and Restylin last. I've seen about six to eight months. Voluma, which is kind of a new kid on town, or or, or Perlane, last about eighteen months that I've seen. So each one varies. Uh, what's nice about the agents that I generally use, they're not permanent. So. God forbid something is not perfect, you know it'll, it will kind of dissolve over time, as opposed to committing someone to surgical scars, which become permanent scars. Mm-hmm. So essentially you talked about how the paralytic agents can take up to a week to have an effect and then last anywhere between three months and longer. Exactly. And then we talk about the fillers, so they seem to have a longer lifespan, that they pretty much take effect immediately, although you're dealing with swelling. And they can last, depending on the products that you're using, up to even a year and a half. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the one thing is with, with uh, the paralytic agents, we use, we, we use smaller needles. There's generally less bruising and swelling. So it's patients don't mind coming in you know, once every four or five months. The, the fillers tend to have a little bit uh, of a uh, bigger production, meaning that generally I do what we call local blocks or inject local. We use little, slightly larger needles. It takes a little bit longer. There's a lot, there's a lot more finesse. I, I think... It's more enjoyable to do fillers than, than uh, Botox or Xeomin. However, uh, each one has a pluses and, and pluses and minuses and they have their different, different purposes. So you, you get, tend to get more bang for your buck with the fillers, but the, uh, the agents like Botox and the other injectable Xeomin tend to, tend to have a very nice result if you do it very naturally and subtly. Mm. You, saw, you started to talk a little bit about really the function of both the paralytic and then the filling agents. It'd be great to hear just an example that you can share of kind of a before and after so that we know what to expect if, let's say, we're, you're integrating both of those techniques. Right. In most patients, I'm usually incorporating you know, both, the inje- both types of injectables, the fillers and uh, the, the botulinum toxins. So I'll give you a few examples. One is uh, uh, a woman named Kim. She's a 45-year-old executive. She's been coming to me for the past 10 years. She always wants to look refreshed. She feels like her wrinkles make her look old. And, you know, she's a, she's a type A obsessive compulsive businesswoman. She, you know, wants to compete with the younger women as well as keep up with, keep up with the men. So she comes in on a regular basis every four to six months. And I, I started seeing when she's the 30s, she's like 46 right now. She still looks like she's in her, in her, in her mid to late 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's not only, for, it's not only for, for women. I have quite a few men who come in, uh, both uh, those who are very interested in their appearance as well as professionals. And they generally lean more towards... Um, the paralytic agents because they're really bothered by that angry look they have in between the eyebrows as well as their forward being too expressive. Now, they always tell me they don't want to look overly done, meaning they don't want it to look completely wiped out or have their angry, happy, excited face all look the same. So men tend to be more on the conservative side, which they're very happy with. And they're actually, in my opinion, the men tend to be better regarding prevention. They come in on a regular basis. Right when after they have one treatment, they schedule the following treatment four months, three or four months later, whether they need or not. And uh, one, one patient I had uh, was a uh, 50-year-old executive, and he felt like he was looking old. He feels like his wife looks younger than he does, and he wants to do this sort of as a non-invasive maintenance program, and he feels better about it. 
it's taking a few years off his life, but more importantly, he feels like he's doing something about it and it's uh, jump-started his lifestyle of feeling better about himself, working on nutrition and, and exercising. Mm-hmm. So and, essentially, you evaluate it based on the per- the maintenance requirements really are very individual. Exactly. And men are diff- tend to be a little different than women. And then I have a, uh, a woman who's 37 and uh, she's of Russian descent. Her name is Alyssa, we'll call her. And she, she get I use everything on her. Um, so, I, but I, she had... With her, you have to be very, very subtle because she, she looks young, but we want to kind of refresh her. So she's got a little bit of the, the tired look under her eyes. She's dealing with two twins. Uh, her lips are a little small, so I give a little bit very conservative uh, augmentation of her lips. I dress the under, under area, which we call the teardrop deformity, to fill in. I do a little bit of Botox in between her eyebrows and on her forehead, as well as what we call the crow's feet. Those are the little lines when you smile. With her, even though it sounds like I'm doing a lot, I'm actually doing a very small amount in many areas to make it look very subtle and harmonious so it doesn't look like it's overdone. And I don't want her, her husband to come in the following week to complain that his wife doesn't look natural. Mm-hmm. So your brand seems to be more of a natural look where you incorporate really consulting with the patient on different approaches that can help them sustain their benefits that include their, their daily practices. Exactly. I tend to self, we, we tend to self-select, self-select each other. The patients that come to me kind of like the fact that I'm more on the conservative side, more looking at facial harmony rather than, than to create a very fake or unnatural look. And also those patients tend to refer their friends to me. So it's, we kind of have a rapport already going into that. It's very rare that I see patients that really want to almost have, I hate to say it, the, the Los Angeles Hollywood look of having a kind of a frozen, bland facial expression with no, with no movement whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about various products for these two major techniques, the paralytic agents and then the fillers. Are there some thoughts that you can share? Since, of course, we know that different physicians use different products on which are the ones that you tend to like to use and what the reasons are and then some of the ones that you prefer not to use? Absolutely. I think it's kind of important because a lot of patients don't have a, a lot of patients, even doctors don't have a great understanding of the difference between the different injectables. So I'll go over kind of the major players and then I'll tell you which ones I like which, and I'll give you my kind of bias. So there's uh, a Botox, which is part of the botulinum family, which is known as onobotulinum toxin A. There's Dysport, which is abobotulinum toxin A. Then there's Xeomin, which is kind of the new one on town, uh, which is another botulinum, botulinum agent. So these are all the paralytic agents I was talking about that paralyze the, the facial muscles, which lead to the dynamic lines, such as in the forehead and between the eyebrows. The fillers are the other type of injectables. So there's a whole range. There's ones that are composed of hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is a natural component of our skin. It's part of what we call the extracellular matrix. And what that means is it, it helps plump the area up as well as stimulate collagen production. So the ones that, that we, we frequently use are uh, Juvederm, uh, Restylane, uh, Perlane, which is a thicker Restylane. There's Voluma, which is uh, what we call a higher G or higher viscosity type of hyaluronic acid filler. There's Bellaterra, which is a thinner is a thinner hyaluronic acid or uh, we call a uh, lower G prime. Then there's other agents such as uh, Radius and Sculpture. Radius is composed of calcium hydroxy a- apatite. And this was actually an agent that was discovered. They were using it for uh, radiologic purposes and ended up being translated into uh, the, the injectables. Uh, it can be very good in certain areas. However, it's only uh, FDA uh, approved for a few, a few areas. Um, you have to be very careful with it because it, it can last anywhere from a month to 18 months. And the enzyme I was talking about that can dissolve the hyaluronic acid doesn't apply to this. Mm-hmm. So each one, each one has their pluses and minuses. I tend to, when it comes to the paralytic agent, I tend to like the Botox and Xeomin the most. I'm not as crazy about this board, even though some of my colleagues love to use it. I feel like this board diffuses more. 
And the problem with that is I like to I like it to work where I inject it. I mean, I don't want it to diffuse, so I, I tend to be very precise of where I inject. I do lots of small injections, one to enhance the surface area coverage and to really go where I need to go and I have much more control. So for me, when it comes to botulinum toxin, I like the Xeomin and the Botox. The one advantage of Xeomin is it doesn't have to be uh, uh, stored, uh, refrigerated. So when you when you receive the, the Botox from the company, you have to put it in the refrigerator. Well, there's a problem with the, the women at the front desk are not realizing that it's a immediately refrigerated material, and I've lost a, a few uh, good bottles of Botox that way. The mm-hmm. Xeomin is, is dry freeze. It's a little, a little different agent. Um, I found that the Xeomin, uh, it's nice, number one, it's a little bit trickier to dissolve, but once you know, get the hang of it, it's very easy when you add the, the saline water to it. Uh, it does kick in a little sooner. I noticed the Botox takes about three days to start to kick in. The Xeomin takes about two days, and a lot of my patients have told me that the Xeomin hurts less on injection. Mm-hmm. So this this seems like information that that's very much on the medical end that maybe is we tend to think is more what physicians know as opposed to information that's necessary for patients. But it sounds like this can help someone to really have an informed conversation with a physician to better understand really what products they're using and what could be most compatible for them. Yeah, exactly. Each each physician has their own preference. I just tend to prefer Xeomin and Xeomin uh, and Botox. However, a lot of my colleagues prefer, uh, prefer Dysport. I don't have any vested interest in the company. I'm not uh, financed by the company. And that's one thing that patients should explore, whether the, the patient, whether the doctor is a consultant for a company, because in certain scenarios, as we know with the pharmaceuticals, that certain physicians are consultant for a company, they may not be recommending the best product or strategy for them. Uh, when it comes to the other injectables, the fillers, uh, there's Wrestle and Juvin, which are very, very similar. Uh, there are kind of the major players with the hyaluronic acid fillers. There's Voluma, which is one of the new kids on the block. That's more for mid-face augmentation. It's a thick, it's more viscous, thicker. It has a higher G-prime. Intense. It's been known to last longer, generally anywhere from about 16, 18 months to two years. There's also Restal Lift, which is the, the com- competitor of Voluma, which works in a very similar fashion. There's Perlane. Another one uh, is a Bellaterra. That's by another company. That's the one that makes the Xeomin. It's a thinner hyaluronic acid that's generally used for finer lines, uh, particularly those lines above the, above the lip and around the mouth. That really the, the the thicker fillers can't get into, and there's one I also discussed was radius, which is a thicker uh, a filler that's made of calcium hydroxyapatite. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So you'll use different products for different areas of the face. Exactly. Exactly. So the ones that I really like, I tend to lean towards uh, Juver, Juvederm and Restylane for kind of my bread and butter. Um, I will use there's different Juvederm, Juvederm Plus, there's Extra Plus, and things like that. For the sake of the audience, we won't go into the details of the difference between each each of the different Juvederms. I like Juvederm for most of the things that I do, particularly the lips uh, and other areas like the chin. Um, under the uh, under the eyes, I tend to use it with the teardrop area, what we call the tired look. I use Restylane. The reason why I use Restylane over Juvederm, Juvederm is what we call more hydrophilic, meaning it attracts more water. So I tend to see a little bit more swelling with the Juvederm in the eye region. So I don't really want, to, want that to occur because patients don't want to obviously have swelling in an area. That's a very sensitive area. So that's where I, I tend to lean towards Restylane. When it comes to the mid-face area, meaning the cheek area, people who have kind of hollow cheek, whether it's thin or an aging process, as we know, when we age, gravity, everything kind of drops down. We want to kind of restore that. And rather than pursue a surgical approach, we can use certain fillers. The ones that are very good for that are the Rest and Lift, the Voluma, and then I've also started using Radius in that area. Now, the key with the key with the Radius is because it's not one of those natural hyaluronic fillers, you have to go very deep right on the bone. But it tends to be a very economic way of really augmenting the cheekbone and raising the midface, as well as helping with the jowls. It sounds like there's a lot of a lot of uh, background 
knowledge and strategizing that goes into this because you, you have very precise techniques also in using these different products. Absolutely. And each, each I don't criticize other doctors using other products. It's what, what the physician is more comfortable with as well as what the patient needs. And I try not to use, I hate to use the old cliche adage of, you know, don't use a hammer for everything. I try to, you know, each, each agent has their own purposes. Like for example, Bellaterra is great for the thin lines in the face, particularly those little thin lines we'll, we'll call the smoker lines, even though we use that line kind of uh, haphazardly, those thin lines around the mouth uh, above the lips. And the Juvederm wrestling really doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't get, get into those areas very well. Because the Bellaterra is a thinner agent, it really can fill those areas. The negative is, is Bellaterra only lasts three to six months as opposed to six months to a year. Mm-hmm. So that does make a difference. But when you're going for results, the most important thing is a, is a good result. You can always come back on the, another day to fill in. Mm-hmm. And you started to talk about essentially the different areas that are covered on the face. It's, there's a lot of territory so far that you talked about. Actually, you talked about the forehead and that area in between the eyebrows. You talked about the area around the mouth as well. Absolutely. So the most common areas that I do for the the, the botulinum toxins or the paralytic agents is the we call the forehead and and the glabella. That's in between the eyebrows. That angry look, the elevens. Um, when it comes to filler, the more common areas I do are the lips and the nasal labor folds with those lines from the nose all the way down to the corners of the mouth. So those are those are the areas I, I most frequently injected. It's kind of there's certain special areas. That, if, that need a little bit more finesse. Those are the lips, uh, the lines above the lip, which we call the filter area. That injecting those can kind of create a, a rounder, uh, we call uplifted appearance to give it more of a pout. My favorite area is under the eyes, that we call that the teardrop area. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's the area that, in my opinion, that gives a woman, a woman or man's aging away, because that's when you age, you tend to lose the volume and things tend to drop. So when I look at women, I don't really focus on the nasal labor folds like a lot of people do. I, I focus on the, the under area or the periorbital region or the under eye area. Um, I've also been doing uh, kind of tip refinements with the fillers, people who don't want to want to go either undergo another rhinoplasty or a nose job or really not interested in surgery itself. I can use the fillers in a very, uh, in a very fine fashion, very subtly to uh, refine the appearance of the nose and almost, almost give it a, sur- a surgical appearance, but a very subtle one. Um, in addition, I've been, I, I like to, uh, inject underneath the, we'll call the side of the eyebrow to lift the eyebrows up. We call that a, a chemical brow lift. Rather than have surgery, you can inject Botox or Zeman underneath that brow to lift it up, to give it, to raise the eyelids as well as the eyebrows up. And then the final one of the areas that a lot of people are talking about, um, which you need to have a little skill, it is, is, is we call it, the muscles called the DOA, the depressive angular oris. That's a muscle that pulls the corners of the mouth down. And if we can inject that muscle, the concept is if we can paralyze that muscle, the muscles that are elevating the corners of the mouth up will work and will create a more upturned smile as opposed to having kind of a depressed downward smile. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of territory. And so essentially you're talking about this also as an alternative to surgery. It sounds like there's there are some overlapping areas that can be covered here that surgery doesn't cover. And I would guess that there are areas that surgery covers that the non-invasive techniques. Absolutely. Sometimes the, the fillers and the injectables are bridged to surgery, meaning that sometimes I think patients would be a great candidate for fat grafting, but they don't want, they're not willing to take that, that plunge into doing fat grafting. So we can do fillers in advance. We can do fillers. One's a temporary fix. One's a temporary fix. If they like it and they want something a little bit more permanent, they may, oftentimes they will actually have the fat grafting. There are patients that are not good surgical candidates or that really just need soft, very subtle things. I think surgery is a little bit overboard. This is where the injectables such as the Zeman Botox and the Philos can come in, can come in very handy. But the key thing is, 
it's not infrequent. I see women who are much older in their seventies or eighties who really have sagging neck skin or having sagging skin. And they want, they want me to plump up their face with filler. Really those scenarios, it doesn't really help because it's not an issue of volume. That's an issue of, of sagging skin and no different than person who has that massive weight loss where things are kind of falling down on the face. You putting in as much filler in is not going to help elevate the t- those tissues. So those patients, mm-hmm. I really will not do non-invasive things because I really think those need those patients need surgical techniques. Mm-hmm. Right. So for is- issues like saggy skin, you can't really attend to those through the non-invasive techniques. Exactly, and, and particularly the neck area. It's not infrequent where patients will come in, and even though there's a new a- agent that kind of dissolves fat in, in the chin, people have very loose skin in the, in the chin in the neck region. Nothing from a non-invasive standpoint. I know there are certain dermatologists who think that laser, laser rejuvenation can fix that area. In my mm-hmm. opinion, the only way that really definitively treats the neck region when it's sagging with the bands is, is, is a neck lift. Mm-hmm. It does sound reassuring, though, that for people who, for various reasons, may not be good surgical candidates, that there are still are alternatives that might be helpful. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we over the past 12 to 15 years, we've really migrated to doing not, doing less is more, meaning that non-invasive techniques have become much more prominent in, amongst the dermatologists as well as the plastic surgeons. We're going to take two for a brief commercial. When we return, Dr. B will share some of the tricks that he's learned over the years to minimize bruising and downtime and get the best results. We'll be right back. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. The Leadership Hour explores what it takes to become a leader who inspires. Inspirational leaders drive higher creativity, lower turnover, and better quality work. Yet few understand their impact on others. We are blind to what we do and don't do well. Training can help, but only if we know our blind spots. To hear strategies for becoming an inspirational leader, join Christine Cowan Gascoigne on the Leadership Hour, where leadership and inspiration intersect. 
Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Dr. Alan Beanstock. Dr. B talked about non-invasive cosmetic techniques that make us look younger by lessening or preventing wrinkles and revitalizing the face. You talked about some of the products that you really enjoy working with, and I'm just curious about some of the products that you don't recommend and what the reasons are. So I have my predilections as well as biases regarding these. So my number one agent that I have seen uh, bad results with in certain scenarios is silicone. There are many uh, physicians who are very good at injecting silicone, um, it's a permanent agent. It, it's a, of a high medical grade, unlike the silicone you think of in a, other agents around the house. Um, the problem, though, is, is if something goes wrong with the silicone, it's a permanent material. You can't dissolve it. And oftentimes, these patients have to come in, have to go in for surgery. Also, issue with silicone, silicone, it does migrate. I know there are physicians that talk about that they do micro droplets, like in the lip or the nose, but these products do migrate. And I'll give you an example. There was a woman that I had, had to uh, do a reconstructive procedure on because she had silicone injected all over her face. We basically had to almost do a, a facelift incision, elevate everything up, and take all that silicone out. And it took me three hours because silicone was stuck to all this tissue. And it was it was, in, was in unusual facial planes. Mm-hmm. So I've I know that there are people that say they're experts in silicone. I just feel it's not a natural agent that should be injected into your face. I know people have said that they get great results with it. I just have seen enough bad results with it, and I've had to fix some of these bad results that it's not worth it. Um, mm-hmm. So that can be unpredictable, essentially, because like you said, it's not really natural to right. the face. And there are, certain, certain, there are certain physicians who say they have great results, they never have complications, and then I'm not here to criticize or disparage other physicians. I've seen the, their patients coming to me or other plastic surgeons that, that, know, that they've not heard about for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. The second one is uh, Abelophil, which was formerly known as Artifil. This is a type of suspension, and it's made of polymethacrylate. That's a big word in itself, as well as bovine mm-hmm. collagen, or, or kind of pig pig collagen. Mm -hmm. So this is another kind of permanent agent that's used. And I've seen probably two bad examples of this uh, that have come to me in the past five or six years. Uh, Number one, you have to do pre-testing with these agents, meaning that unlike the Juvederm, the Restylane's, you don't have to test because it's it's part of hyaluronic acid. There's no, we call antigen or form buying it. With these, you have to do pre-testing, which in a sense is not very, not very time consuming or time, time efficient. Secondly, because it's permanent, if something, if something Untoward happens, you can't dissolve it, mm-hmm. and it's not going to go away. So mm-hmm. people get what called nodules or granulomas and things like that, or get a really bad reaction. And the only answer to the, in those scenarios is, is a surgical excision. So you've you've gone down a non-invasive procedure, then you've had an issue or complication. You had to treat it with a surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that's that's popular that I don't use is called Sculpture. It's made of it's made of polyallylactic acid. Um, it was first FDA approved for uh, HIV patients that had facial wasting. Now, it's great for those patients because it works really well. Fat grafting tends not to work in those, in those patients because they're on various cocktails medications that actually impairs fat grafting taking. So this was very subtle. However, it's been applied during the past five to 10 years to cosmetic purposes to fill the cheeks. Um, it's not that it doesn't work. You have to do multiple sessions, and it's very, very expensive. And people, people are paying four to $5,000 for that. Well, we can, I can almost do fat grafting 
which is a permanent, which is a permanent approach mm-hmm. for a little bit more. And it's a natural, it's a natural substance being shown. It's your own tissue. So mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of sculpture. It does have its use. Now, patients who don't have enough fat on their body. I mean, I had a patient who was very, very, who's very, very skinny. And she went to somebody to have sculpture done on her mid, on her, on her mid face or cheek region because she had no fat on her body. She, mm-hmm. she was, she was a size minus one. So it just, in my patients, that tends not to be an issue. I really try to steer patients to fat grafting if they're going to really spend that amount, that amount of money and have used require that quantity of, of, of volume. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like in some situations there are alternate approaches that can be more effective for the patient and also still fall in line more with that natural approach. Exactly. And there's nothing, the one thing that's nice about the juvenile wrestling, they're not very expensive. I mean, it can run anywhere from 600 to 1,000. Some of these other agents can be very expensive. You, you, you go from the thousand dollar range to all of a sudden the three to five thousand dollar range. You're talking about a three hundred percent to four hundred percent increase. Mm-hmm. So you know cost has to be evaluated with these type of non-invasive approaches. Patients don't really want to spend. In addition, not having uh, enormous downtime, they don't want to spend an enormous amount of money either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like you're also bringing out the point that sometimes permanent isn't better because we're thinking how long are, are the results going to last, and at the same time the advantage of results that last for six months or three months or four months is that you can do some correction. Absolutely. There's room for, there's room for revisions or touch-ups. Also, the face is evolving. Even over a six-month to one-year process, many people have weight, different weight gains, weight fluctuations, or lifestyle changes. We can take that into effect. Mm-hmm. You know, the other question that I had as you were talking about, sometimes people are not the best candidates for surgical procedures. So the first thing that came to mind was in situations, let's say, where someone is a regular smoker, they may not be a great candidate, based on my knowledge, for surgery. And I was wondering if smoking also impacts results related to these non-invasive techniques. So I've, as we discussed in the previous episode, I'm very strident and strict with when it comes to smokers, meaning I will not operate on actively smoking people. When it comes to the injectables, I'm a little bit more liberal because we're not putting scars in the patient. We're just doing using injectable material, so it's not really a healing issue. I haven't seen any differences in my smokers versus my non-smokers, but I, I haven't really done an enormous study on that. But I haven't, I haven't been. No one, none of none of my smoking patients have complained that they haven't really seen a beneficial rejuvenation or refreshing. We know that smoking, of course, is not a boost to your health. But it, what is, what's the specific reason why it's not beneficial um, for for entering surgery? Well, smoking, just based on the agents that are nicotine and so forth, it, it, uh, it, it impairs your, uh, your blood vessels. You get less blood, uh, blood flow to certain tissues, uh, which means that if you have less blood flow, you have more, more chance of that the skin or the tissue dying for putting scars and elevating skin and fat and so forth, mm-hmm. as well as wound healing problems. So it comes from wound healing, uh, mainly comes from a wound healing standpoint, as well as we call it perfusion to, the, to those tissues or skin. Mm-hmm. So while I know that you encourage folks not to smoke. At the same time, for someone who's having a hard time quitting and is still interested in exploring ways that they could really rejuvenate and look younger, it's, it seems like the non-invasive approaches would be more appropriate. It, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point. However, it doesn't, you know, in smokers who have loose skin, that's, the fillers are not going to be the answer. But for people who are looking for dressing those dynamic lines or wrinkles, as well as filling certain areas, I, I wouldn't say no to a smoker. And I think they've had beneficial results with these injectables. Mm-hmm. You talked about in relation to the fillers that you have, that it's common to have bruising. So I'm curious about some of the tricks that you use to really m- minimize bruising and also downtime. Absolutely. 
So everyone, everyone's always worried about, you know, being swollen and bruised as well as being out for the counter, having enormous downtime. The one thing that's nice about the injectables is, is the downtime is much less than, than surgery. Number one, you're not getting general anesthesia. This, even with the fillers, I do a little bit of a local block, meaning I just inject a little bit of light, Caden, which you would get at the dentist's office. So, and then you'd be able to leave the office afterwards. So I have a few tricks that I like to do. Now, any plastic surgeon dermatologist says they never get bruising or swelling is hyperbolizing the results. It is impossible to predict who's going to swell, who's not going to swell, who's going to bruise, who's not going to bruise. However, there are certain things you can do to minimize that. Certain people are natural bruisers. They're, my mother is a natural bruiser. You, you, you just fl- you flick her chin, she, she mm-hmm. starts to bruise. There's nothing you can do in those scenarios. However, you have to make sure your patients are off the, the blood thinners such as aspirin and Advil and Motrin. Those have been known to impair uh, platelet counts as well as impair platelet function. Number two is I, I like to ice beforehand. My concept of icing beforehand is number one, it's a good anesthetic. If you, when you're, if you think about it when you were a child, when your hands were cold, you didn't feel them. There's a reason for There's a reason for that. I won't go into the physiology. So it does numb up the face or the area. Also, it constricts the blood vessels. If you constrict the blood vessels and then you, before you inject or put a needle in, you'll minimize the chance of getting bruising and swelling. I also recommend Arnica and Roblin. I give everybody a packet. I have a little gift packet. Those are, these are natural agents that minimize swelling and bruising. I also recommend people do uh, turmeric and curcumin afterwards. I always tell my patients, encourage them to uh, have zinc omegas and to ice afterwards, right after the procedure, as well as when they get home. Sometimes people have a delayed uh, bruising response and icing over the next 24 hours can be very, very uh, important. But I would say really the, more, more important one, the, more, the most important things are the icing as well as the arnica and the bromelain. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, stopping the blood thinners. For how long does a patient need to stop the blood thinners? I usually say about, with Motrin, usually it's like three to five days, aspirin about two weeks. Now, mm-hmm. If patients are willing to accept, if they don't mind being bruised, I mean, I have a patient who works at home, sees her uh, sees her parents every three weeks. She's, she has to be on aspirin for medical reasons. I'm not going to stop it for medical reasons. People are on aspirin. Mm-hmm. This, this is not a basic technique, but they just have to be aware of whether they're more likely to bruise than someone who's not on aspirin. Mm-hmm. Right. So essentially, you just have to choose... What's going to better serve your health and your well-being? Right, exactly. I mean, medical conditions. Uh, someone, someone who has a heart condition that needs to be an aspirin. I will not preclude them from continuing their aspirin because mm-hmm. maintaining the, the the condition of the heart is more important than than a cosmetic non-invasive technique. Mm-hmm. Which seems like the reason that it's also extraordinarily important for patients to really share in depth with you whatever health circumstances they're in. Sometimes things that we don't think are that important actually are important to say. Exactly. That's why I do an exhaustive consultation. Uh, I know some people who think that are having fillers done, that it's a very, it's kind of a quick and easy process, like you're getting your hair and nails done, but it's still a medical procedure. You're seeing a healthcare provider, and these are important things that can shed light on certain things that, that may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. So we talked about techniques to minimize bruising and downtime. Are there any other techniques that you use or that you encourage your patients to incorporate in order to get the best results? So the things that I like to use related to enhance results, which also can minimize bruising, I, I like to do what we call blocks, meaning I inject certain nerves so that the patient's part of the patient's face is numb. This really makes my job much easier. I'd much prefer the patient to have a little bit of discomfort for one to two seconds with a nerve block rather than have pain while I'm doing the actual injection. And if I can really, if I can have them have complete anesthesia of that skin area while I'm doing my while I'm injecting, that's more important than than other area, other other uh, items. A lot of physicians will put topical lidocaine on. In my experience, this doesn't work very well because I like to inject a little bit deeper. Number one, number two is the topical agents. 
tend to take 45 minutes to an hour to kick in, and patients generally don't want to spend that much time in the office. Um, so the new thing that I've been doing, it's not really new, the past two years I've been using uh, microcannulas. There are a lot of uh, plastic such as myself that use these special blunt uh, needles that we, we, have, we insert into the face, and this is particularly useful for the lips and the eyes, which tend to bruise and swell more. And I won't go over the exact technique, but you're, it's, one, it's, it's one injection, where you put a, a blunt needle through and you're able to fill in the area where you want to fill in, whether it be the lip or the under, under eye area. And this really enhances my results as well as my minimized bruising and swelling because you're not doing multiple needle pricks with a sharp needle. Uh, and also following uh, good nutritional practices and lifestyle regarding vitamins, uh, omega-3s, uh, multivitamins, uh, B-complex, B12, and other things like that mm-hmm. can really help the results. Mm-hmm. So those are on the patient's end that you offer some suggestions along the lines of nutrition. Absolutely. Great. And as, as we're getting close to wrap up now, I just want to hear a little bit about your house call program because I know that that's really the chief mechanism through which you actually provide the non-invasive techniques. So I discovered a need amongst uh, Manhattan uh, women and men that uh, have, going to people's houses rather than come to you was very beneficial because people have their beauticians, their their stylists come to them. So I wanted to incorporate that within my own practice. So unlike other uh, other businesses, I had to get liability to cover me, but I'm, I have a service called Cosmetics on Call where I actually go to people's homes for those that are busy, such as work, uh, mothers who are taking care of children and a household, as well as working uh, adults, or those that don't have the time to go to the office. Uh, this has been perfect for them, really, because I can meet their needs, go to their home, they're more comfortable. And it's been frequent where patients actually, patients have their friends come over and they make it almost like a group gathering. I don't like to call it a Botox party. It's more of a, a group get together or rendezvous where they can kind of uh, hold each other's hands during the procedure and get to, uh, to meet up and chat when they haven't done this for a few months. Mm-hmm. I could see how that would have a really positive impact that we don't always think about it, but sometimes there's this natural tension that happens when you go to a doctor's office as opposed to when you're in your own home and you feel more at ease and you don't have to worry about how you're going to look. Yeah, absolutely. We call it the white coat stress effect with kids. So it's kind of like that. I'm going to their home so they're able to be relaxed on their own, on their, in their own home on their own couch. Wonderful. Dr. B, thanks for offering us the one-on-one on these non-invasive cosmetic techniques and also best practices based on your experience. I was really thrilled and interested also to hear about how you're applying it to your household program. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Beanstalk's non-invasive cosmetic services, please contact him at 917-257-7560, 917-257-7560, or at info at drbeanstock.com. That's D-R-B-I-E-N-S-T-O-C-K.com. Please stay connected with the show off the air by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. As always, remember to make the grass greener where you are. Best wishes for 2016. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.